Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What's up, After Buzzers, and welcome to the Magician's After Show. Today we're talking about episode eight, Word as Bond, and we have a special guest. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. We'll just enjoy the screen music. This might be one of my favorite intros that we've ever done. <laughs> this is. This should have been for a creepier episode, though. Well, it had It's kind of creepy. It was, yeah. yeah. Different kind of way. Uh, I dig it. I dig <laughs> it. Can we get the... Oh, look at oh, that. Oh, we get Those the lights. lights. Yeah. There we go. Uh, so what's up? Welcome to the Magician's After Show. Today we're talking about episode 8, Word as Bond. My name is Carrie Lane. You can find me online at Carrie D. Lane. That's K-A-R-I-D-L-A-N-E. And I'm joined by a very special guest, the DP of the Magicians, otherwise known as Cinematographer, the guy behind the camera who makes everything look very pretty, uh, Ellie Smolkin. Welcome! Thank you. And then we'll go around the table for the rest of our awesome panel. We sure will. My name is Ty Matthews. <laughs> you can find me on all forms of social media at Ty Matthews PMA. Hi, I'm Adrian Snow. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Miss Adrian Snow. It's M S A D R I N S N O W. Oh, and I'm sorry, Ellie. Uh, let people know where they can find you online so they can stalk you digitally. Oh, good. Yeah, um, <laughs> at Ellie Smolkin. E L I E S M O L K I N. And a quick question I have right away yeah. is how on most TV shows it's different director every episode. Mm-hmm. But your DP on like all the episodes. How does that work out? <laughs> uh, it's I mean it's great, but it also means very limited prep. So mm-hmm. um, how it works is uh, I'll be shooting and prepping at the same time, hmm. and we have just an incredible crew that can help fill in the blanks. We have a rigging crew that's there, kind of working out some logistics, and then we take a day where our second unit takes over and I go with the director and a lot of the production team and we go and look at all the locations and we kind of plan what's going to happen in that episode and in the next few days we sort of execute, order all the equipment plan out all the shots um, you know, uh, in this coming episode there is a soul bridge um, so we had to figure out what that was mm-hmm. and you know, we got like two, three days to figure that out so um, yeah, it's it's tough but it's fun, it's really fun How does, oh, sorry, as as in terms of this kind of, you know, the season and a half that we've that we've sort of gone through up till now, has there been any sort of situations that have given you especially, like, and th- that have been kind of especially challenging? Yeah, I mean, this show is very challenging, um, and that's what makes it fun. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there is a ton of worlds, and we established early on that we wanted each world to look different. Mm-hmm. So every time they add something new, we have to come up with a whole new look. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, with the sci-fi fantasy element, uh, there's always something that doesn't exist in the real world. So you read it on the page, like the Soul Bridge. You read it and you say, okay, well, what's a Soul Bridge? And you have to figure out what that means. And so we have an amazing creative team, and we sort of all get together, and we get scripts a couple episodes in advance. So we'll flag things that aren't normal, that we don't see mm-hmm. every day. Mm-hmm. And Rachel, a tool of the production designer, 
and I and, and the rest of the, the team will sort of talk about, okay, how do we design, what is it, and how do we design it, how does it work from a physical standpoint, you know, what are the, what's the science behind it, and then we'll sort of pitch ideas to our showrunners, and um, when something sticks, we go into designing it, and so that, you know, with that uh, example, they had to craft those crystals, and we put LEDs and wired them in each one, mm-hmm. um, we created like a lighting rig where the actors could interact with it, um, pull out little plugs from the windows, and you saw the sun move, um, so in each different scene, although you didn't get to see it in, in this episode, in each scene, the sun kind of hits the crystals at a different point. So mm. it, it's stuff like that. It's just like a, a, a big collaboration. And, and luckily, we have an incredible creative team and people who support us up top to just take chances. Mm. Absolutely. And then how is it working with a different director every time? Uh, it's it's great because, you know, the thing with TV is is each episode, you know, the the show has a look. The show has mm-hmm. a formula. Um, the cast knows exactly who their characters are and what they're going to do. But each director that comes in gets to put a little bit of their spin on it. Mm-hmm. And um, James Conway, who did uh, did this episode, is has done several with us before. He's awesome. So when he comes in, um, it's sort of he just fits right in because he's done it before and he knows exactly the style. And at the same time, he's he's so good at planning you know what's needed and how each scene's going to flow together that I think you can really feel it when you watch watch his episodes and and the same each director brings like some of them like you know a certain style more some of them like just are better with talking to the cast or you know there's mm-hmm. they all have their own pros and cons and we 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 all fill in um to to make the show feel like one show but at the same time um it's just really fun and exciting to have them come in and and put their own flavor on it Nice. Yeah. Um, you touched on it briefly, and uh, when Joshua Butler was here as a guest, he mentioned it. Uh, how do you make the different worlds different? Because you talked about the look of them. So what what is used to make filler look different from yeah. New York versus break bills and versus cool. new ones that pop up? Yeah, I'm glad Josh talked about it. He's, he's another director that is great to work with and that comes has done several with us. Um, so each, each world um, is separated with lighting, with color, and with um, lenses. Called it. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we, we try to craft as much as we can. Um, you know, sometimes we'll get a one-off world, but as much as we can, we will try to find lenses that help make this camera you know digital you know, with film days it's an organic thing so there would be problems with it and that's mm-hmm. sort of what made it feel true to life and different mm-hmm. with digital you always get the same frame yeah so we find lenses that can kind of make it organic again and tell a different story mm-hmm. so fillery for example has special uh, glass that we've crafted with Panavision mm-hmm. and there's a, 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 a process with the coating and what it allows us to do is when we when things are out of focus it kind of gives like a very different feel like it falls off differently there's mm. aberrations that catch flares really easily um uh, the, the skin tones are hopefully very glossy and so the idea with that is we wanted something that felt a little bit magical a little mm-hmm. bit different a little bit more fantastical um you know the flip side is break bills will have a very clean newer lens that makes mm-hmm. everything feel like the juilliard of magic you know like mm-hmm. everything's idyllic there mm-hmm. so we have um lights that are caramel in color mm-hmm. they sort of make it look like it's always magic hour like that's mm-hmm. that's very much on purpose so it's a combination you know in new york we try with lighting with fluorescence and using practicals mm-hmm. and not having this mm-hmm. magical moonlight that shows up at night mm-hmm. it's all supposed to be very grounded in reality so that hopefully you know as you see we draw we jump from world to world to world you know exactly where we are and who's there, even though the characters jump from world to world. Right, and that's something that we've definitely noticed from kind of a lot of the blues and the grays of mm-hmm. New York to, like you said, the golden of 
of break bills, but but even even to when you know when when Penny's kind of jumping around from fountain to fountain, it's very mm-hmm. kind of muted and sort of you instantly know like oh this is somewhere we've never been before. Yeah, that's I'm glad you noticed that. Yeah, the 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 idea with the Netherlands is that it's the world between worlds. So you know if if New York's cold and greeny blue and excuse me and break bills is caramel um we wanted to do something that's a little bit devoid of color like mm-hmm. it's it's the sort of in between all the worlds mm-hmm. so it doesn't have a lot of color until they choose wherever they go and i think later on you'll see some other worlds that have a different color scheme and, and i think you'll feel it even more just yeah. cool. Ooh, more worlds yeah maybe right. yay um so at the very beginning we learned julia lost her shade mm-hmm. which i'm pretty sure we all were like yeah. Yes. That had a right. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they mentioned it yeah. enough the first two episodes. I was like, yeah. she's probably going to lose it eventually. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, I'm glad we were told right away. Because mm-hmm. that was something at the end of the episode we were talking about predictions. And we were like, she's going to lose her shade. Even in the comments, I was great. Um, so, yeah, if you guys are watching this live, feel free to comment down below. Um, and you can ask questions to our guests. And if it is later, leave comments. Because I, I loved everybody before was talking about, like, what, what happened with Julia. Mm-hmm. And we were all like, it's her shade. For yeah. sure, and I think I think we could see that coming. What I think I wasn't seeing coming was was uh, the effect that it would have on her yeah. disposition. How she was almost acting kind of like how the Beast was, mm-hmm. you know, when he was around. So a psychopath, just very yeah. so happy and so kind of jolly about everything. Now that she doesn't have a conscience. Right. <laughs> um, well, sounds really kind of nice. Right. <laughs> well, speaking of not having a conscience, uh, a couple people in the chat said, uh, "Who would win of Shadeless Julia versus Niff and Alice?" Oh, interesting. Niff and Alice. See, all I could think about this whole episode was like how much of an ass, kiss, or ass kicker Margot would be without a shade. Like that oh, would just be yeah. everyone's yeah. wrecked. That would be scary, yes. right? Yeah. She's already declared war. Exactly. Yes. Um, well, I, I mean, you touched upon it really well, Ty, of how um, the thing is Katie reacted so much to Julia because she was, like, happy. I don't think we've seen her happy ever. Even, since the beginning. Even when she had magic, even. She always had this, like, heaviness to her, and she's like, what's up, guys? And like, <laughs> Well, that's what the Beast said. He's yeah. like, if you, if you get rid of it, then you will have this weight off of mm-hmm. you. And, I mean, not having a, a, a conscience, that's... The ultimate weight free. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Totally. It's I kind mean, of, it's yeah. Not good, it's as yeah. liberated as you could possibly be. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be a hard thing to give up. Well, we, we haven't seen quite the negative side for her. Like, she doesn't care. For uh, her, not yet. No, for uh, her. Like, she doesn't care yet. I mean, like, if you lost it, she doesn't seem to mind. Civilization is pretty. But right, she but to care. her, like, that didn't mean anything to her. Yeah. And that's the thing is, like, will it ever bother her enough that. Do you know it's going to be a thing of consequence to yourself? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. I know who would give up their shade for ultimate power, right? And I love that shot. Not not to jump <laughs> super far in in the episode, but like as you were talking about, like, kind of that that act of war, that super mm-hmm. far away shot, and that's just that explosion in the distance. Boom. Yeah, absolutely love that shot. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we got to uh, work with some drones for that actually. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, Jamie uh, and I wanted to bring in some drone footage for when we did the forest stuff. So there's mm-hmm. a couple shots in there, but that was one of I them. I did notice the other one where they was that it's no, the same open one the when they scene. Fr- yep. Yeah, where we sweep across the field and kind of get us into it, and then. Yeah, I mean, how else can you rise above, you know, the mm-hmm. trees and see where that, you know, because we mm-hmm. want it to happen in the distance and a whole forest to go away. So, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have great drone operators up there, and, and that was, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And not only, yeah, not only the cinematography, but also the sound, just that kind of, yeah. that moment of silence where you just, you hear it off in the distance. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then the screen. 
screen. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. it's a good right. surprise. It's a good surprise. Too. It is. Yeah. It absolutely yeah, I think is. You're expecting that. That I think I audibly gasped at the moment. <laughs> I wasn't. I didn't yeah. see that coming at all. Yeah. Actually, on that, uh, what was it? What is it like for you then to have a camera operator set up your shot, or like, how do you? How does that work? Do you set it up and say this is what I want, or yeah, you know, you're not really controlling it? Really? Um, no, you know, okay. I mean, we we work with several cameras, so we always have two cameras on set, okay. and then mm -hmm. sometimes we have three. Occasionally, we have four, um, and so what we do is we design, we, we sort of block out the scene, we let the cast kind of figure out with the director and, mm -hmm. and sometimes with me, like, okay, this is how we want to play it, this is where we come from, this is where we stand, and then we figure out how to cover it. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of what I do is work with the camera operators to design the shots and to figure it out. So when it comes to the drone uh, footage, we talked about where we wanted to start, when we wanted to take off, mm -hmm. and then at the same time, you know, where is this forest going to be for the explosion because the VFX team has to know mm -hmm. where that explosion mm -hmm. happens. So we tried to find a pocket um, where they can actually put that in. So mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's a lot of reconnaissance where they're just flying up and kind of panning around and being like, all right, there's a house, there's a house. Yeah. There's no houses in, you know, modern houses in Fillory. So right. we had to kind of find the right spot. And then, uh, so that's the funny thing you don't think about. You're in the middle of the woods and you're like, oh, cool, we can, like, we can shoot anywhere. And then you rise up 100 feet and oh it's civilization. You're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, right? yeah, so it, it's a lot of sort of talking it through. Yeah. Oh, very yeah. cool. Uh, then Julia and Katie are, like, still on the mission to kill Renard, which is interesting. I mean, Julia doesn't care, but she still has her, like, no, but I want to kill him. Well, and that's that was what struck me, too, is that, you know, she might not have that emotion left, but I think she's she's cold enough to still want revenge, at the very yeah. least, even if she's not emotionally tied to it. Yeah. She's like, no, screw this guy. He's going down no matter what. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm happy that she's still on that mission. Right, right, of still course. Still on the path of vengeance. Yes. But uh, what do you guys think of the idea that they were like, let's just make our own spell and use Dana's son? That was, yeah, it's, I, it's interesting how kind of stuff like that keeps kind of coming back and this mm -hmm. this idea of of tracking things down using you know using history and using that date mm -hmm. specifically you know the fact that oh we found someone admitted to this hospital in August of I think it was 1976 mm -hmm. the fact that you know even in this world of of magic and of spells and of sigils and of wards the fact that they can still just look stuff up and, yeah. and find stuff like that. I, I love that sequence, that reconnaissance sequence when they go back to the yeah. to the hospital, hospital and there's all yes. the stills with the Viewmaster. Like, yes, yes. I, I I think what's really cool about this show is they try to ground the magic in in physics and they talk about like bending mm -hmm. light and they talk about like mm -hmm. being able to see through some apparatus and mm -hmm. you know obviously it's magic but I think the way that sequence is put together was really cool. Um, yeah. Exactly. I yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, for sure. I had a note here. So, how'd you film that hospital? Bit? Oh, yeah. Um, With the viewfinder specifically. Yeah, I actually just uploaded a behind-the-scenes photo of Jason doing it. Nice. Um, so it's a uh, it's um basically we shot it two ways. We shot it obviously the normal way where it was present day mm -hmm. to the coverage of the scene, and then we cranked up the shutter, which basically makes the image a lot more crisp. There's no motion mm -hmm. blur, mm -hmm. and we had. Um, we had the uh, actors walk through what they see. Mm. And um, we did it two ways. We did it one, one way where they walk all the way through and one way where they stop in mm. each sort mm -hmm. of section. Mm. And then in post, they um, pull those stills 
and they sort of, you know, did that whole really cool V effect with the scratch out and everything mm -hmm. and, and, and kind of merge it all together. And then in color, after all of that, we had our, you know, present day New York vibe and then Versus we kind of warmed up just yeah. to make it feel a little more vintage and, and just make it feel like it feels a little more like the past. And mm -hmm. so it was kind of a combination of all of that, which so I think worked that out great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that particular color change then was post instead of... Well, so what we do for color is we have lookup, they're called lookup tables. So we'll design, um, it's a combination of gels and color temperature mm -hmm. and it's the camera and the lighting. And then we'll create these lookup tables for each world. And then later, once the, the edit's done, I go into a coloring suite and we fine tune everything. And we get to see the edit together and make everything match, but also make it a little more refined hmm. and and MTI film does that and they're they're wonderful they're really great I have to say I really appreciate the colorists that you guys work with because oh, it's something that I pick up on when I, when I watch movies and television mm -hmm. if, it, if it's bad or if it looks like one note yeah mm -hmm. and that's noticeable and it's kind of like well this isn't as fun to watch so yeah. I really appreciate that and that was yeah. yeah that was one thing that that jumped out to me about the show just from from frame one is that I don't know anything about it, but aesthetically, it's it's gorgeous it's, yeah. right off the bat. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, St Steve Porter at MTI, it, it's such a hard job for him because everything keeps changing, you know? Mm -hmm. And so he'll, he'll sometimes email me uh, when he's doing his first pass, and he'll just say, like... Uh, oh yeah, so like it, Julia's in it, so it's New York, right? I'm like, oh no, she's in Philly <laughs> in this episode. He's like, oh crap. Um, so it's it's so hard, but uh, he's 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 so good at it. And yeah. then we get to refine it together; it gets even better, and it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Actually, nice. random question: yeah. Have you read the books? I have read the books. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've read them, and then I try to forget so that I can just like take each mm. script as mm -hmm. its own own thing because it's it's. You know, it's the same show. It's the same thing, but it's like also totally different. I think it's getting explored in a lot of different ways, and mm -hmm. I and I love that. So you kind of have to, yeah, you know, let go, go and mm -hmm. and and know that you're making something new. And but it helps too when when it's like just a reference to something, and then to know what the deeper side is. is Absolutely, because yeah. yeah, as as you're reading something, you're always painting that picture in your mm -hmm. head. You're kind mm -hmm. of you're doing your own sort of cinematography as you go. Like, what would the scene look like? Mm -hmm. You know, in in filler or in break bills, something like mm -hmm. that. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think like mm -hmm. a cinematographer then? Like he, I would just I'm like, wait, do you think in that way when you're reading and think like this is how the shot would be? Um, yeah, I mean, I generally read um, scripts a few times, and as I read it, sort of try to picture what what mm -hmm. it's going to look like, what it's going to feel like. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that um, our showrunners and and the director have a lot to to say about that too. Mm -hmm. But I mm -hmm. do come in with you know, my approach and how it feels. I think it's more mm. about feeling. And a lot of times it's it's location dependent. You know, yeah. we'll we'll read it on the page, it makes total sense, and we'll walk in the location and be like, oh, well, there are no windows. So, you know, and then you kinda have to shift it a hundred percent a hundred degrees and, and hundred and eighty degrees and then um, find something new. But it's that's what makes it fun. Yeah. Yeah. Were were there any situations like that where you kind of had to really go in the opposite extreme of what you had planned? Um, yes, uh, but uh, not in this episode. In later episodes, for sure, and also um, in season one with the Welters tournament, um, was mm. there's yeah, some surprises definitely. in there where we, you know, we read it. I read it as gym. It's probably my fault, but I read it as gymnasium. So sure. I thought of the gyms that I grew up in high school, which had no windows. Um, and then we walked into this stunning gymnasium, but it has like a hundred foot wide window <laughs> that we had to create a black hole with. Uh, and I was mm. like, oh. 
wow, that seems difficult. Right. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you know, we figured it out, and that's that, that goes to the, the crew's ability to make changes quickly and, yeah. you know, the production support. But we had to bring in, like, construction crane and, um, and like, you know, 100-foot solids and... and Mm. All sorts of oh, stuff, wow. which was really fun and really cool, and I think I think it's a great effect. But it's also surprising when you walk in, you're like, oh, that's, a, <laughs> right. that's actually a big this window. At the Magicians Comic Con panel, um, there were cosplayers of the Welter Tournament outfits. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, those are good uh, costumes. I love those. So then, um, speaking of camera and our next bit, we have Quinn and Alice. And the word is bond, and uh, which I'm like, I don't feel this is safe. So that <laughs> bit, um, a lot of shots are very up close and personal. Uh, what was that filming like? Yeah. Um, so actually, going back to your earlier question, so that that idea was um, we first see that in episode seven, and mm-hmm. so that's established by the that director and how we're going to mm-hmm. cover it. And luckily, that was um, Chris Fisher, who is our producing director and is mm-hmm. there every episode. Um, and so we talked a lot about okay, how are we going to show that Alice is in Quentin's head? Mm-hmm. How are we going to show that? Um, he's the one that can see her um, and, you know, be able to pop out into frames where she's not there. You know, how mm-hmm. are we going to show that? So, um, you know, Chris came up with this idea of just being um, right up in, in her face. Mm-hmm. Um, so we end up sh- we end up shooting that with like 24 mil, 32 mil, like very wide lenses and then have our camera operators stand maybe this far, like four or five inches Ooh, away from her. Oh, wow. And um, Olivia, Alice likes to to move as as a niffin, so she's walking mm. back and forth and and kind of unpredictable. I mean, she's she's really good with camera, so uh, she becomes you know she explains what she's going to do. But you know, if the camera operator stops early or she goes too far, she's just going to ah. smack. But it didn't happen. She was really good at it. Um, but yeah, it's challenging. And then we so we wanted to balance that, make it feel like it was different, and then balance that with our standard you know whatever mm-hmm. world we were into, and mm-hmm. pop out to this wide where she's not there. So we would shoot the scene twice, mm. once with with Alice, once without. And we would uh, shoot it with wide angles when she was there and, and up and close. And then we would do our traditional lenses when when she wasn't. I really loved, because cool. I just, I don't know, I like trick camera stuff. But with the, whenever she would transition into, or Quentin would transition into Alice, which is those moments of like, he would fall out of frame and mm, she'd pop mm-hmm. up. Or she, he'd be walking down yeah. the, the street and then it, we'd cut and you'd see her. Yeah. Like, was that... I assume that's a pretty just simple camera trickery, but was it super simple yeah. tricks? And 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 yeah, and that's Jamie and I talking about like how do you show that they're the same that she takes over his body, right? Yeah. That, mm-hmm. um, and and that's kind of hard because we didn't want it to be a VFX thing, you know. Um, so it, it was a couple different tricks. The the transition when she's walking in the sandbox, mm-hmm. that one I think worked out great, and that's just an in camera wipe. So we start on one side of the little girl mm-hmm. um, with Quentin, and then as we're uh, dollying to the right, we pass in front of um, the little girl so that it, the camera goes black for a second. And mm-hmm. on that, we cut. And we do it again, and this time it's Alice. And so it feels like they just transformed. And so it's like it's an old school trick, but yeah. I think sure. it works. Yeah, great. All that stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, falling out of frame, we do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we try to always like. Um, you know, if Quentin fell down, we would see his POV, and then we try to pick it up like in the cab. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had to somehow fit a four foot slider and a and two actors and a camera and a camera <laughs> operator in a in the back seat of a cab but we sort of started up in the ceiling and pulled back to a two shot mm-hmm. and i think that was like just a nice transition that tells the story which you know is what we're doing so is that car just on a sound stage with lights behind it and water no that would have been very comfortable um, <laughs> uh, uh, uh no we were out in the in the cold um 
uh, out and uh, we, you know, you sort of have to shoot when it's such a short scene. You shoot that with other scenes. So yeah. we were shooting. Um, that's the the hospital scene mm -hmm. mm. and the scene where um, they're doing the research in that like crystal. Clo supply closet mm -hmm. um, so we had to pop outside where the car was have it all lit mm -hmm. and, and jump out there to shoot that scene so we were yeah. we were outside cold you know. mm. right definitely <laughs> Uh, then we jump to another location outside. Uh, oh wait, never mind. We're back to fill. Now we get Fillory, and they have the golem moved it. And now definitely, Fen has to know that there's like another one. Right, right, right. Uh, right. Yeah, I, I guess then she probably had to have always known. I, I, I think, think she. Yeah. Weird debate. Did Fen knew know that there's a golem of Elliot, and that he would leave? You know, I don't know the answer to that. I don't okay. think it was addressed, and I, I wouldn't dare explain that, but I'm not Fair sure. Enough. I'm not sure. Uh, she definitely knows now, though. There's no right. way not yeah. to. Right. Yeah. 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 There's two yeah. of them right there. And that uh, was an incredible double. The the like mm. One is hail, obviously, mm -hmm. and then yeah. the other one is, is um, special effects made, like a like a prosthetic double that looks... Really? It's actually also... It's on my, I just tweeted a photo of it. Um, it's... It's kind of creepy. Yeah. yeah. Right. I really like wow. it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, wow. They did an amazing job. It's like that episode of Black Mirror. Do you watch Black Mirror? Yeah. I watch mm -hmm. You guys watch Black Mirror? Mm -hmm. Not the, yet. the episode. Oh, there's an amazing episode of Donald Gleason that reminds me a lot of this. Oh, God. Creepy, creepy golem. Yes, that one. Yeah, that one. That was the creepiest episode of Black Mirror. <laughs> Super ever unsettling. Yeah. Uh, well, they have the magic brownouts, which that was kind of funny. For those of us in California, we have those a lot. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if other states have the, like, little brownouts, but right. I feel here in Southern California, absolutely what? we do. Do we have those? What's that? With the Wait, brownouts? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where it's like, not, oh, really? Oh, okay. Well, um, those of us living in Southern California or lived here your whole life, mm -hmm. there during summer primarily, the there would be brownouts where it'd be kind of a blackout, kind of not, and it'd be during the summer because there's AC and power and people oh. using too much power. Right, right, right. And it's 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 like they say it could it could be twice a day or twice yeah. an hour. Yeah. I've never. I live in a very old building, so <laughs> I don't think I would have even noticed. Like I, I notice it when it's raining because yeah. you know randomly. Okay. But, right, yeah. right, right, right. That's good to know. Yeah. I guess, I guess that's, that's what what's a brown Because it's not like rolling completely brownies, right? dark. Yeah. yeah. Rolling brown. Exactly. Well, that's a fun effect, too, where special effects had to figure out a way to turn fire off and then back on mm. in a shot, which mm -hmm. was... Sure. I mean, they always amaze me with that. But, yeah, they, they figured out a way to do it. It's very yes. cool. Uh, and then Elliot is okay-ish, but they have to keep starting over. Uh, mm. Then we have Katie, Quentin, Julia... <coughs> Yeah, they're going after Kid Renard. Oh, wait, but they run into Renard right outside. Yeah. Right, right, right. right. <sighs> the moment she leaves. The yes. moment she leaves. Exactly. <laughs> but Quinn's still there and is like, fill your button. <laughs> I was like, right. oh, good. They got out of there real quick. Um, but he notices the shade's gone. I thought he would notice. He didn't say any commentary on the kid being not, like her not being pregnant anymore. Because mm. he I says, my he... child, but he's not like, oh, it's gone. Right, right, well, right. I, I, think, I thought he kind of did say something because he started to threaten her, and I don't think he would have he necessarily said threatened her if she had still been pregnant. Mm. I thought he just said, like, you're sh something. Oh, you had a. Uh, Say shade amputation or something right. like well, yeah. that. Right, because he shade, goes yeah. in to, yeah. to threaten her about and she's the like, baby, whatever. and then he like sniffs her or something. Yeah. It's like oh, I just thought different. it'd be more like he would have said more of like right. It seems it seems like, it seems more like just an inconvenience at yeah. this point. Like or he like, he seemed to care more about it, and so mm. it's a little weird. Of like I think at this point he's just worried about what he's going to do to Julia more than. More than really anything else, sure. like that part, I think would have been cool for him. Yeah, but he's like, all right, now you're just giving me more reasons. Or actually, maybe he didn't know she was pregnant. 
I thought I'm, I thought what he, he was referencing was his he meant child the other child as in he didn't Dana. know. Ooh, okay. Because I don't think he was. I don't think he knew she was pregnant. He just knew about his child with Dana. That makes more sense. Then it doesn't matter that he didn't say anything mm-hmm. to her. Mm-hmm. Um, well, because he probably left and didn't know. And I mean, did he know? My question. Fair enough. No problem. We'll see. Uh, Julia's gonna stay with Margot, and they go there, and uh, we get the information on the troops, the dryad trees. Oh, and then yeah, the f- that oh, that was the moving shot. It was very cool. Mm. But Julia and Margot, one the first the dryads a man, and then when he goes, they sent two females. That was my <laughs> audible like. <gasps> mm. I was, We've already have yeah. kind of gotten confirmation that Fillory is a little. Backwards yeah. and right. gender politics. Right, right, right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know. Um. Yeah. I, <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, I think it's really cool that they're they're addressing that though, and that yeah. you've got clearly very strong women, in, yeah, in, and they're, you know, trying to change that. And I think they're yeah. very forceful, mm-hmm. and also very shocked that anybody would say that. Yes. Like that didn't cross their mind. Like I think they kind of set it up as. You know, you're not supposed to go talk to the dryad, and then they do, and then mm-hmm. that's when it hits them like. Yeah, yeah, you're two women, but yeah. they right. weren't expecting it, nor should they. But yeah, and um, they were expecting the dryad to be only women. They weren't yeah. Expect- yeah, yeah, exactly. expecting any men. Yeah, and so I, I Margo do. Gave, oh, go, go ahead. I do like the that Margot has kind of taken over as the most yeah. powerful mm-hmm. royalty sure. in Fillory, because um, I think often you know when because they make such a big deal of about about it being the king and the high king of Fillory mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. So it's nice to see. That Margot, this is like where Margot kind of belongs in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like this is where mm. she gets to like spread her wings and really sure be a, a dragon. And I think, yeah. yeah, I think I feel like I felt like a lot of that was kind of at least partially so indicated by you know by this bond that she has with Elliot. The mm-hmm. fact that that you know even if she doesn't want to, in in his stead, she's she's more than willing to step up and kind of yeah. pick up the slack. That's that line. She's like, I'm faking it, Ellen. I need your bag. And she's like, going to cry. Oh, that whole moment. That whole scene was oh, incredible. So yeah. Uh, oh, I was... But did you guys feel she gave up kind of fast with the dryad? I felt she was like, okay, fine. And then left. But Julia kind of stayed for a minute. That I'm like, is she going to do more? Which she did later because mm. she had the bomb. But... Mm. Um, I mean, I didn't feel like... Uh, I don't well, know. I feel little... like Margot's also kind of like I think I've done it. Yeah, I think she's kind of she's learning how to be a little bit yeah. more diplomatic. Uh, yeah. and and not really, yeah, not really going mm-hmm. as ham as she might have mm-hmm. when she first declared war on True. Loria. Which yeah. also to to another point in terms of in terms of Loria, I love that they're their use of of illusions as magic, you know, from disappearing the castle yes. to making their ranks look more than they are. Yeah. You know, yeah. I love things like that. It's all about deception. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. This kind of this running through line in their in their battle plans. Yeah. Uh we mentioned a little bit of the Alice switch and it's interesting that, you know, Quentin doesn't see any of it, doesn't remember it. Um definitely a weird sensation of where have you been? Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. But learns that she was looking up the holy men who were trying to essentially reverse the spell mm-hmm. or the niffinness. But she denies it. But then I'm like, wait, does she really honestly want it? And that's what Quentin's hoping for? Or, you know, we're not 100% sure what, sh- what her true motives right. are. Right. It's, and it's hard to tell. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's hard to tell what her motives might be at, at this point. Because I think we're seeing more and more of 
of of old Alice kind of slip in, yes. which I wasn't expecting. Yeah, and it's and it's interesting what what you had mentioned about kind of the difference between normal Alice and Niffin Alice is mm-hmm. this sort of dynamic motion where the the old Alice was very kind of kind of quiet and sort of you know didn't really move around a lot, and this one's a, a lot of pacing back and forth, a lot of like that that frustrated groan or like scream that she does. I I love that, mm-hmm. but it's it's little things like that. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think it's cool to see all these iterations of of Alice, you mm-hmm. know, to see that build. And I think it's cool that we don't know her motivations. Like, that's one of the biggest, you know, mysteries so far. And I like that they're playing that. And yeah. I think that everybody's kind of reading into, including the audience, is reading into what she's trying to do and what she's trying to accomplish. And especially in this episode, mm-hmm. I think Quentin is, you know, maybe there's some hope. And that's what he's hope, you know, obviously thinking. And mm-hmm. that's really. I think that's what that's a special thing this mm-hmm. this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone in the chat, Helena asked, "Do you think she's still trying to save her brother?" No. Oh man, I I wish I don't think so. <laughs> I think she's trying to save herself, not her brother. Right, sadly. Right, 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 yeah. I think I think she's got power it. corrupts absolutely. Of course, yeah. always, I think, I think always. If she's become a Nephin and, and she, mm-hmm. judging by what she decides to do in Dublin, mm-hmm. she enjoys being a Nephin, or mm. at least the Nephin enjoys existing. So yeah. I don't know if, if if that's even a part of prerogative anymore, even, any more than, you know, yeah. Julia right. cares about anything than what sure. benefits her. Right, 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 right. And I do love speaking about you know the, this new version of Julia this new version of Alice mm-hmm. I feel like one of the one of the through lines that we've seen even even since season 1 is we've seen two versions of a lot of these characters mm-hmm. from the Margolem to you know to this version of Alice to this shadeless version of Julia mm-hmm. you know we've seen kind of different versions of a lot of a lot of these characters yes yeah i think a lot a lot of the show is about making choices like right. who we become mm-hmm. when we make choices and i think it's cool to also at the same time get to explore different versions of the same person and mm-hmm. they've made different choices and now we get to see what happens when they do right and i i don't know i think that's what what's special about this show is it's you know these all these flawed characters who are just making decisions and then they have consequences and then they have to deal with those and that's you know nobody's perfect in in, in real life and nobody's certainly nobody's perfect on this show which i which i love mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah uh, speaking of someone who's not perfect and keeps trying to struggle, we got Penny. Um, <laughs> right, right. Who, um, I like the librarian called Mayakovsky the lion drunkard. I was right. like, there's some history there that we don't know about. Right, um, right. I feel like, yeah, the, Mayakovsky has, like, his reputation has almost yes. become apocryphal. Like, <laughs> it's just these, these whispered myths that, yeah. like, oh, this old drunk guy that got banished to mm-hmm. this, you know. Antarctica. Right, exactly, exactly. For sleeping with the wrong student. Yeah. Over and over again. Over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, so he makes a deal with the librarians. They kind of go, we can help. Do you mm. think it's a good deal? I don't think any time you agree to, to to sell your soul to anyone, it's right. a good idea. I feel, you yeah, know. there's there's no yeah. way, there's no way to, like... They to, can essentially have him even after death, yep. but they, right. he still has to go and work at the library. So it's like, so, okay, so that's your soul gone. Uh, up to and after death for a million yeah. years. Yeah. <laughs> Steep deal. Yeah. I don't know. I feel, I've, I've like I said, I've been uh, not necessarily enjoying Penny's... Mm-hmm. Um, story this season only because I just feel like he's so underused because he doesn't have his magic and mm. yeah 
does. But I also said it was a nice turn to see a man kind of take the position of what a woman normally is. So mm-hmm. a woman's usually there to be like, I will support you through whatever you're going through. So it's nice to see him have to, to take on that role for, for Katie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just don't, I wish it was someone else other than Penny. But right, 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 right. <laughs> but, but I yeah. think you're right. Yeah, Katie is, has taken such an active role mm-hmm. in the season yeah. so mm-hmm. far. And he's, yeah, he's kind of, he's he's powerless both literally and figuratively to, mm-hmm. to kind of help. Well, they have their moment of like, yeah, we need to talk. Okay, we'll keep things professional. Right. Like, mm. <laughs> right. Uh, Penny, of course, notices Quentin's off, which we were. Wa- I was waiting for that. I'm like, somebody's going to notice. Oh, of yeah. course. Um, but then they figure out Alice, and that's how they're going to see the time stuff. Mm. Um, Qu- and then I was like, yeah, Quentin needs to tell somebody. And then, But Alice is like, hey, it's a bad idea. They're just going to think you're kind of crazy. And that was the one moment where she was kind of nice to him when he's like, I just want to help somebody. Like, that real nice right. speech. Right. Well, and, and, and like, that, that turned real quick. Oh, yeah. That was... Well, she let her guard down. That, yeah. that was her troll. But I felt like that was her trolling him. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was Niff and Alice trolling Quentin. Yeah. Just I like, felt she was genuine, like... Oh, no way. No, at uh, first at first I thought, but when that turn happened, I thought, she, okay. I thought that was all a big... I don't, there's no genuine part of Alice anymore. Oh, I think right. we keep looking for it, but I think <laughs> yeah. that's gone. Like, the same person who would go and slaughter a monster that yeah. looks like a child without yeah. really <laughs> flinching. Yeah. Like, right. that's that's not Alice anymore, yes. you know? And, yeah, and I love I love that Penny is is constantly vexed by whatever is in Quentin's head. Yeah. Yes. Like, one of our favorite scenes, one of my favorite scenes, I, I don't know about you guys, was the, the musical, <laughs> the Taylor Swift musical in, so in season one. And I think ever since then, it's just been like, Penny is not annoyed by anything as much as he's annoyed by whatever's going on in Quentin's head. Was there someone who was a big Taylor Swift fan for season? Because, like, every single We kept episode, finding it coming up. We would find some weird Taylor Swift reference. And we were like, what is happening? I don't, and then it just fell off. I don't know the answer to that, but, uh... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I love that sequence, though. Yeah. It's so um, much fun. So good. And I think it's kind of... I don't know. There's something fitting about about that exactly. like being yeah. in a mental, mental hospital and that's the song he chooses and I don't <laughs> oh. know it's just so right. great but I also think that's what sells uh, a Penny not caring that his guard that something's going on with Quentin at that mm-hmm. point because we've seen like a season and a half of him just thinking abs- like ridiculous things mm-hmm. that, that Penny can't deal with so yeah. right. um, mm-hmm. I like that setup it's like a, it's a slow burn and then it, mm-hmm. there's a payoff exactly now, mm-hmm. Adrian had mentioned that that kind of monster scene can you talk about what what went into into shooting that and yeah. kind of mm-hmm. tackling that oh uh, it, was, it was really cool yes. um so so we needed there's one shot in there where we sort of rise up yeah like an over the mm-hmm. shoulder though like the mm-hmm. little girl's in it and we're rising up above alice and that was it's just really cool it's like um the special effects team brought a what's called a parallelogram which is like mm-hmm. a big uh, like a seesaw almost, but a really big metal mm. one. And then they harness in a stunt double, and we strapped our camera to it. And it rose, I think, to 20 feet. Oh, wow. So we oh. could start with a remote head. We were starting in a normal shot like we were doing on Alice mm-hmm. over the shoulder. And then when she rises up, we kind of tilt down and we follow the shot. And I think 
that with the little bit of um, tentacle that they mm-hmm. put in the bottom right. frame, yes. like just kind of really sold that that monster yeah. coming up. It was so cool. And then um, the the electric team and I and the art department with Rachel again, we kind of built in. This is what we like to do for New York. We built in the lighting. So you saw those like street lamps that mm-hmm. are kind of. Um, so we try to build that in so that we have the freedom to shoot a lot of directions to move quickly mm-hmm. to sort of be able to go that wide you know because normally you would see one of our lights mm. um, if you're going to go that wide and give room for this 20 foot tall monster mm-hmm. um, so we build in the lights and, and you do see the lights but it sort of feels okay yeah. and yeah. then uh, and then the, the visual effects team just puts in that awesome uh, tentacle where the parallelogram was mm-hmm. so like normally oh, cool. that's where the, the arm is and instead they just kind of Put this cool VFX in front of it. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. and we we didn't really get to see a lot of that monster, and I think that even going back to old monster movies, that that. It's, it's such an effective trope. I you love know? that. Yeah. I think that was so smart of them to do. It's just the less you see of it, the more I, b- I believe in it. And exactly, the more my imagination mm-hmm. fills it in, and we, you know, the same reason why we try to keep it dark in that in that scene is like. They, they only have to do so much to make it feel like, oh, this is a really gross big tentacle coming. Yeah, right. I'd yeah. rather not be scarred for life. I was just, <laughs> right. I was just talking about the fly with a friend of mine, and I was explaining it because she had never seen it. I was like, scarred for life. Like, I can't even, <laughs> oh, if I think about it in my head, I immediately have to think about something else, or else I will. The Jeff Goldblum fly, right? The Jeff Goldblum and fly too, Oof. which is scary in right. my opinion. Uh, but, sorry, say no. <laughs> One thing that will be interesting for Julia for later is getting the invisibility um, stone thing mm. from the Lorians. And I liked her yelling, Dryad Boy, and then with the explosion. Right, right. Um, so casual. But Just Julia. Casual, super. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Julia's murder. taken to the dungeon, you know, because that's where you go. Right. <laughs> to murder people. Yes. <laughs> and I like, but I, I like yeah. her, 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 um, rationalization of like, look, this yes. was all my fault. You can throw me under the bus. Like, yep. I did yeah. you a favor. Um, Katie and Penny, uh, he gets to see her in a moment of vulnerability of like, mm. I'm drunk and a junkie mm-hmm. and stuff. And I don't want you to be my hero. But later, uh, it gets the, his reveal of, I love you. He said the L word, guys. Right, he right. He already said that, though. Well, Did this he? moment. He said it before they turned into to swans and oh. went down to break. Oh, that was too. his reveal. Breakville South, yes. sorry. Um, but yeah, so he, he said re- it. And still I love like, She's yes. like, I don't love you. Yeah. And she took off. Right. It's the uh, second time he said, I love you, and she didn't say it back. Mm. Yeah. That would be a deal breaker. <laughs> that is a bit rough. <laughs> <laughs> With Katie telling him, go incept him in terms of going into Quentin's head. Mm-hmm. That was great. Now right. this is there. Well, and and that that knockout moment of of Katie just, like, out of nowhere. Yep. Glass jaw. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Which you know, like, everyone, of course, Quentin would have a glass jaw. Yeah. No problem. He, that was one of our, uh, speaking of, of recurring themes in season one, I feel yes. at one point, every <laughs> single episode, Quentin was getting knocked to yes. the ground. Yes. At some point, in some Somebody way. was hitting him, somebody was throwing him into the air. <laughs> right, right. called it. First, yeah. I think first five episodes. It yes. might have been, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Poor Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, and then we have Elliot, the body transfer goes okay, which I, you talked a little bit briefly, but was that scene difficult to light? Because it looked gorgeous. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it it, it was uh, it was difficult just because it, it was dealing with something that doesn't exist. And so just mm-hmm. conceptually it right. was difficult. But, um, you know, I, I think it, it turned out really cool. And that was just a lot of uh, a lot of the just collaboration between all departments. Mm-hmm. just kind of came together the last second. We had almost... No time to do it, but we pulled it <laughs> off somehow. Just kind of how it goes. 
And I guess the other last major thing is we have the Niffin Monk, and that was interesting. Oh, man. Can we talk about so just... Good. I love the technical effects. I know we don't have a lot of time, but <laughs> um, in terms of getting everything, like the the axe that drops down and makes the sound mm-hmm. go. Yeah. And you oh, see the that lighting, she set, that neon yeah. green. Yeah. Yeah. She set everything up so that when Quentin walks in, he sets it everything up to get the Niffin to come out. Yeah, which is our, great. Our reference was uh, um, Baz Luhrmann, Romeo and Juliet. That's why oh, okay. the neon cross, and that was Rachel's idea. It was so cool. And so we tried to expand on it with, with the neon green and all that. See, any anytime I see a neon cross, I think seven. That's, oh, that's yeah. Well, that's another good reference. <laughs> I always reference that one. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the special effects team is just so good. Like, and it was, I'd say, like, nine out of ten times they like the hammer hit the button like everything just kind of flowed in the bird coordination was excellent yeah i did that but um yeah yeah no it was really fun i love that stuff just straight up home alone style yeah that's the first thing i thought (laughs) (laughs) that's my frame exactly so i banned it um Anything else um, about this episode you'd like to share? Or um, no, it was a blast. I mean, it's it's we we have so much fun on this show. The whole cast. I mean, you guys have met a lot of them. They're mm-hmm. they're so fun, and the crew it gets so involved. You know, I've never worked on a show where like the transpo team driving in is talking to you about the script that you know that you're shooting like where the caterer is like hey i love this episode you know like (laughs) everybody loves the show and that everybody feeds off that energy and it's just such a Mm -hmm. joy to be a part of a show like that really is um yeah and this episode is no different it's just great uh, actually, a random thing that's very true. Helena goes more animal murder tonight. <laughs> yes, we've had quite a few animals die on uh, this yeah. show. Animals yeah. just really getting in the show. Yeah, we've got the so bunny, many. cancer puppy, and cat. Oh, birds, and the cat. And the cat. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so go every go version of, animals, of pet. Man. Forgot about <laughs> cancer puppy. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> It feels like yeah, it. Death, yeah. death is only permanent for animals. Oh, cute yeah. little ones, too. I know. Uh, all right. Well, we're out of time. Thank yeah. you so much for watching. Please make sure to give the video a thumbs up, five stars on iTunes, comment below on what you thought of the episode and your predictions. Um, one prediction if you have it. Anybody? Oh, man. Oh, uh, that, that month's um, bad news. I am... I think that... Julie and Renard are going to have a face-off. I don't know. There you go. Oh, okay. Well, that's all I got. TV prediction. <laughs> oh, I, we I was going to say, we're skipping those. We got the quick yeah. one. Uh, this monk is going to be really, really, really bad okay. news. Mm, and I think yeah. once Alice finds out those secrets that she wants so badly to learn mm. from him, it's going to go down. Mm. Yeah, I, I want to know what happens once, Jul- uh, once Alice gets out of Quentin. Like right. What can possibly happen with yeah. that? Oh and, yeah. Uh, I don't. I wonder if Julia's not necessarily get her shade back, but understand what she's doing, Ooh. what kind of consequences. Mm-hmm. Shadeless Julia, Niff and Alice face off. Yes, mm-hmm. I, oh, you guys nice. called it earlier in the chat. It would be fun to see. Or at least they have some sort of like chat oh, or sure. something. Right. Um, thank you so much for joining yeah, us. Thank, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having the, me. Definitely yeah, yeah, behind the wonderful. scenes. Um, so we'll start we'll start with you, Adrian. Come oh, back this way. Yes. Where can people find you uh, online? You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Miss Adrian Snow. You can also hear me do weird voices every Friday on Popcorn Talk for the Unproduced Table there you go. You can find me on all forms of social media at Ty Matthews PMA as well as on Monday nights on the Monday Night Raw After Show. And you can uh, find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at Ellie Smalkin. And you guys can find me online at Carrie D. Lane. That's K-A-R-I-D-L-A-N-E. And uh, a lot of shows, so I won't list them. Thank you so much for watching, and we will see you all next week. See ya!
from executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff. We would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.